I'm going to have a one-part series. <laughs> uh, and this is, this is because of what we announced earlier about changing some of our uh, emphases on Wednesday nights um, from uh, the Bible study emphasis to uh, prayer emphasis, and we will still have a sermon. It'll be shorter, and there will be, there will be um, quite a bit of prayer. And so I want to set, kind of set that up by going to Luke, the 11th chapter. Two or three weeks ago, we were here, beginning with verse 11. Today, I want to begin with verse 5. Let's pray, is, is the idea. Let's pray. Then he said to them, Jesus speaking here, suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Now, this is a picture of the, of the Middle Eastern hospitality. Someone comes to you, they can come unannounced, and you have to roll out the red carpet uh, you just do it. It's not like have to. That's what is done. Yes, you have to, but it's just that's what we do in that part of the world. And uh, I was invited one time to be a guest in the home of the mayor of Bethlehem. And he served us tea and, and, and gave me a, a set of cufflinks that were mother of pearl. He owned a factory that made these things. And I was looking at those a couple of days ago, and it's like, that's just it's still the coolest deal, and this had to be 400 years ago or something like that, uh, this, this hospitality. Well, this, this hospitality thing hit a snag in that when Mama baked the bread for the dinner that night, she didn't bake enough to have leftovers. She just, everybody ate it up, and there was no food, and the guy comes at midnight and uh, you got to set a meal before him. So this guy goes down the street, and, uh, and he's standing out at the gate, and he's knocking on that and calling, and this is the way they did in that culture. He says, I've got to have three loaves, please loan these to me. And the other one, the guy on the inside, which was probably a one-room house, and that's, that's the living area, that's the kitchen. Uh, I don't know where the bathroom was, but the bedroom was that house, and they just moved kind of stuff back so that everybody got down on their mats. The, the little kids with the adults, it, they all slept in the same room. Uh, very humble, very humble uh, setting there. And this guy says, don't bother me. The door's already locked. It was a complicated thing to get the doors locked and unlocked. My children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. And uh, this uh, don't bother me, that, in, the, in the, uh, the first phrase there of the answer in verse 7, it uh, literally says, stop bringing troubles to me that's just it, this this pretty well gets the meaning but it just stop bringing troubles to me don't bother me i can't get up jesus continues i tell you though he will not get up 
and give him bread because he is his friend. It's just like, you're a good friend, but you're just not worth this. Go away. Yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. What does this boldness mean? This guy acted like there had been no response when the guy says, no, stop bothering me. I'm not going to get up. I can't. The door's locked. He just started over at the front. I've got to have help here. Friend has come. My hospitality thing is on the line. You've got to help me. And he may have made that response two or three times from inside. And the guy didn't have his hearing aid turned on. You know, it's just like he just started back at the top. Now, in the King James, this is called importunity. Great word. I don't use it very often in my week. Do you? Importunity. Great word for prayer. Persistence in asking is a working definition of importunity. Persistence. He didn't stop. The guy inside was saying, stop bringing me troubles. But he didn't stop. He kept bringing him, as it were, troubles. Because of the man's boldness, which is not a bad translation here, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So, Jesus says, I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. He's talking about prayer. Because, the, by the way, the front end of this, I forgot to tell you, if you didn't notice uh, or don't have this memorized, this chapter. It's a good chapter to memorize, by the way. The front end of it is the Lord's Prayer. The disciples came to Jesus, and uh, Jesus had been praying. And after he got through, they came to him and said, uh, Lord, teach us to pray like John taught his disciples to pray, talking about John the Baptist. And so this is what started this passage then in verse 5. So Jesus continues talking about prayer. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. And and by the way, the, the tense in the... Greek is um, imperative present, present imperative, which means, uh, you know what imperative means, and, and present is continuing action in the present in the original language. So it's, it's ask, keep on asking, seek, keep on seeking, knock, keep on knocking, and all of this stuff will come to you for... Everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. To him who knocks, the door will be opened. And I can hear me and you both saying, wait, 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 Jesus. I've asked a lot of times and nothing happened. Anybody that hasn't happened to, we're unanimous. Jesus is wrong, right? Well, no. You've you got to understand the tense here. When we ask for something, if it's not important, I hope God doesn't answer it. You know, I mean, it's like, why? But if it's important, and most, I think, of the stuff we ask for is important, because so often it has to do with something very important in our lives, or even more importantly, someone important in the life of someone we love. And when this business of... um, your friend is sick. And, and this is not a head cold that will be over in either one week or seven days, whichever is quicker. 
this is something that can take them out. I was talking to one of our members uh, this morning who recently spent some time in a hospital and had stuff I had never heard of. And she's, she's a member of the medical profession, and so she was explaining this to me, and I said, oh, because I know enough about the body to know that that was serious. And in, indeed, E. coli set up in her, uh, her thoracic, not thoracic, but abdominal cavity, and uh, she was a pretty sick kid. But she's here today. Part of the pastor's prayer partner team. Good grief. Like, the Lord is so faithful. And so, so when somebody like that is sick, we get serious about asking. Especially when the, the, the doctors are saying, mm-hmm. And I, I appreciate medical help. Oh, my goodness. I love it. But whether it's fortunate or unfortunately, the... They, are, they too are people, and so we know about people, and we know that that limits us. But he says, the door will be opened. You seek and you'll find. You ask and you'll receive. And then the, the passage we used a few weeks ago about the Holy Spirit, you fathers, you're, you're not that great, is <laughs> a paraphrase. Of Jesus. If your son asks for a fish, you do not give him a snake. Ask for an egg, uh, you do not give him a scorpion. And the, the, the Greek has a negative for when you expect a positive thing, and this is that negative. There is a negative that, that expects a negative answer, but this is your father's not going to give him. Something bad for when he asks for something good, especially if it's food. Uh, the other day, the only kid I have left is sitting down here on the front row, and she's she's kind of important in my life and been a part of me a um, long time. And uh, she needed some money. Well, we have. Uh, we have her checking account and my checking account. Now, they're both joint accounts, okay? So she can take my checkbook and write a check, and I can take her checkbook and write a check. But it really is separated. Well, her bank branch closed, and it's inconvenient for her to get cash to have for what she needs cash through the course of the week. And she says, if you got 20 bucks, I don't have any money. And I groused about it. Because it's a change. She's, been, she's had her own money for some time. And, and so I don't, when I get cash to have in my pocket, I don't get enough for her. I just get enough for me. And so she heard that. And on the inside, I'm saying, it is so great to have some money to give to this person that is so important in my world. When my little kids needed something, unless it was just going to break some kind of principle and do something that we did not want done, and if I had the money to do it, that was fun. It's like, yes, it is fun. And I fit into this 
you father's business, which is kind of in a negative context, especially in some of the other places where this story is recorded in the uh, Gospels. But he says, if your son asks for fish, you don't get a snake, egg, no scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, maybe you do grouse when you give it. I don't know. It's been known to happen. Um, How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? He loves you. And if you will find out what his will is, listen carefully to this. You find out what his will is and pray it. Just pray it till it comes or else sometimes the Holy Spirit gives the revelation that you don't have to ask anymore. You can, every time you think about it, you can just praise God for doing it. Otherwise, just ask for it again. That's what Jesus is teaching us here. Importunity. Insistence, insistence on that which we need. That, and this guy standing at the gate stood there till he got the bread. I don't know whether it was 20, 30 seconds, because that's all the interchange uh, in Scripture would have required. But if, but if this guy refused more than once, it could have lasted a minute or two. It seemed like a long time. And you're standing out in the dark, and you're afraid you're waking up the neighbors hollering. He just stayed there till he got it. There is a message. There is a message here. And I want us to simplify our approach to prayer. If it's complicated, if it's about how holy you are, you know that God's not going to answer your prayer if you didn't do your devotional this morning, don't you? You legalists just said, yeah. (laughs) And that's most of us. We're almost all legalists. When the Lord, oh, he is so great. You never, my dad is great. He was so generous, and and I've, I've told you some of those stories, but he's not anything like the Heavenly Father. And as hard as I tried to be a good dad, I... That's a joke, like the Heavenly Father? I don't think so. You have a father who is richer than is imaginable. You have one who knows the inside of you. And that's, that can be scary, of course. You legalists kind of froze on that one, didn't you? But you need to get over it. He loves you in spite of the way you are. He loves you. He so loved the whole stinking world that he gave his one and only son. So don't get confused about our father. And then he listens day and night. And when you call heaven, as it were, to use that old telephone model of of prayer, you never get a busy signal. Sometimes he just is kind of silent on the other end of the line. I will certainly say that. And you know what you need to do with that? You need to say, now, Lord, it seems to me like you're not listening. But I know that's not true. I know you hear everything. You know my thoughts. You know the inside of me. Don't let this delay be wasted. Get more of Jesus formed in me. And then then I'm just going to keep praying. 
Because, see, Jesus, we, I love it because we're just so holy. Are you holy? Oh, man. If you're not holy, touch me, and you'll probably be holy after that. Well, I already ask, and I ask in faith believing, and I don't have to say it again. Then take this page out of your Bible. Sometimes I have trouble saying what I mean. I think I got it said that time. Don't ever stop unless the Holy Spirit gives you the revelation. It's all taken care of. You can praise me now for it. Then you praise him for it. And I've had those things, and probably you have too if you've lived for the Lord a while. Because that's just a wonderful experience. But the big deal is, dear one, hear me very carefully. The big deal is we need to be saying it until we get that, that revelation. Which is to say on your prayer list, if you have one, uh, pray it every day. Or whatever the thing is you've worked out with yourself to offer this to God. Do it. Just do it. But I, I meh. Don't do that. That's, that doesn't count. Unless it's tongues. Then it counts. And we are going to do something in this church that I think is going to help us just get more prayers answered because we're going to get some help with our prayer requests. Uh, Pam prepared a card for us. <clears throat> not very sophisticated in the sense that it's not complicated. It's, it says prayer requests, got a scripture on it. And uh, it's got our logo and it's got some lines and you can, where you can put your prayer requests. It's got a, a line for your name. Please print because we want to know whose name we're calling here. <laughs> we don't need the gift of interpretation for that one. And then the date, and, and we're going to give you opportunity to fill out one of these at every service. You can do it on Sunday and on Wednesday, and we're going to pray for these then on Wednesday night. You're going to turn them back in. Um, there's some, be some baskets at this door, and you guys that are going to distribute these, go ahead and distribute. start distributing, and if you want one of these cards, just get their attention with your hand, and what we're going to do is for four weeks on Wednesday nights, we are going to pray for these. And the people will, will take this, and there will be a spot in every Wednesday night service when we take these in our hands and we all pray at the same time, and your need will be called by someone, and you won't know who will get it. But God is going to answer some needs that... It, it's, I think it's going to speed up the process. We need agreement. Agreement changes things. And uh, so when you take this card, while I'm finishing up here, would you put your prayer request on there, print your name, and be sure and put the date, and we will do this for four weeks in a row. And we're just going to do this uh, for a while until we feel like we're released from doing it. And so, uh, that is to say then about Wednesday night services starting this week. If you haven't been coming, but you believe God would use you to help someone else's prayer be answered, please come 
and pray with us. This will be one of the things we'll pray over. We're also going to have prayer for general things and we will have opportunity for prayer to be offered like we're going to do at the end of this service here down at the front of the room. Prayer is is such an interesting thing, and we who get a little tired sometime and know that God is very, very strong, we say, well, he knows what I need. Why doesn't he just meet it? And there is a very good answer for that. I want you to pay close attention to this. God created us for fellowship and for us to be kind of the managers of the earth. Now, sin screwed up the manager of the earth thing. It brought a curse on the soil so that it not only will bring forth crops, but it'll also bring forth weeds. We didn't have weeds before Adam and Eve sinned. And so work tends to be harder, but work is still a gift from God and so forth. But, but God wants partnership with us. Now, when, he, if, when it comes to the kingdom of God, when it comes... I, this, this is unbelievable to me because, you know, if, we, if the Lord knows my heart, it's like, well, that settles down. I'm out of here, you know. The Lord wants partnership in what he's doing in the earth today. Why doesn't he just do it and he's strong enough to do it? I read it was just yesterday a Jewish writer get this, about a self-limiting God. He is limitless in his abilities and his power, but when he made us, he made some decisions, and he does not go back on those things. He now intends for us not only to partner with him in the earth, the physical part of the deal, he intends for us to partner with him in the kingdom of God and in the salvation of hundreds of millions of lost folk. It is, it is just amazing. So Jesus says, lift up your eyes, look at the... Look at the harvest. Pray that the Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers into his harvest. What? Why didn't he just win them? Ask him that when you see him. This is what he chose to do. And a very clear picture in the Apostle Paul talking about his personal sufferings, physical sufferings, just plain old getting the tar beaten out of him. You guys from Oklahoma know what that is. Texas, I think, beats the tar out of too, or used to. I mean, this is just, he, he just got beat with rods. He got stoned uh, once. He was shipwrecked three times. It just goes on and on and on. And he says, in that, in that section of Scripture, he says, and I used to choke on this, I fill up in my body which is that which is lacking of the sufferings of Christ. And I'm saying to myself, but Paul, Jesus completed it. He didn't leave anything undone. And Paul says, oh, yes, he did. And I say, no, he didn't. And then I finally read the book again. Paul filled up in his body that which was lacking of the sufferings of Christ, notably carrying the message, prevailing in prayer, 
casting out the demons. Jesus finished redemption as far as the work is concerned and gave it to the church and said, here, fix the world. And so we are his partners. And there is that passage in the Corinthian letters about we are fellow workers with God in this field. Fellow workers. That's, that's not he's the boss. That's a fellow worker. That's shoulder to shoulder in the field of winning lost people to Jesus and in discipling the newborn into Christ and in getting those that are wounded, healed, and the fragmented put back together. We are shoulder to shoulder with God. That is, it still messes with my head that he would do that. What an incredibly high and holy thing to be called by God. And you don't have to be called into, quote, the ministry, unquote. You are called into the ministry when you receive Jesus Christ. And you are part of the answer to that prayer. God thrust forth laborers into the field. You are part of that answer. That's, I like it. It's scary. But you see, if he's shoulder to shoulder, by the way, that passage goes on to say, it is God's field. But the owner of the field is in there shoulder to shoulder with us doing the work of the harvest. Do you like that? Does that help you? I mean, it's like, oh, that's why I'm here. Yes, it is. Now, there, there may be some fine points that the Lord will show you as you go along for what he wants from your life and, and the reason for your being but if he never does show you anything beyond that, that is huge and is a life full of meaningful work. Let's start it in the prayer closet. Go with me to Mark 14. They went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. Now, I used to think that, that, that he was saying, pray with me, but I'll show you that in just a minute. You sit here, and he took then Peter, James, and John along with him, began to be deep, deeply distressed and troubled, and he said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, and he said, now stay here, you sit here, they're sitting there, you sit here, keep watch. He went a little further and fell to the ground and prayed through the business of taking your sins and mine in, his, in himself to go to the cross. Abba, Father, that's not a translation of Abba. He did both the Aramaic and the Greek. Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. But you see, everything is not possible for God because he chooses to limit himself there. He chooses to stay inside the plan of redemption for mankind. Not what I will, what you will. And he had to do that three times to get it prayed through. And I don't think he was one sentence. I think it was a while. Then he returned to his disciples, found them sleeping. Simon. Notice he didn't call him Peter. Peter was the name he'd given him. This is a throwback. Simon. We starting over here? Now, this is the guy that had just avowed that he would lay down his life for Jesus. 
And, and perhaps he was willing to die for Jesus. He wasn't, just wasn't willing to live for Jesus. You ever found that in your own heart? I've, I have really seriously thought sometimes that it might be easier to die for Jesus than live for him. Because sometimes there's pressure on us. People that we value put pressure on us. And, and peer pressure just gets weird. And we think about peer pressure for the adolescent and the young adult, but it never stops. I mean, I, so far it hasn't. So the peer pressure was, uh, was not working for him here. And he says, are you asleep? You couldn't watch one hour. And then comes the watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Church, here's what I, here's what I see about this, this picture of prayer in the life of Jesus. Jesus had to do this by himself. And some of you know that there comes a point in life where the demands of consecration to do the will of God have to be dealt with face-to-face, nose-to-nose, you and God only. But Jesus was crying out for some support somewhere. Do you see that? Couldn't you watch with me just an hour? That That might indicate that it took him three hours to get this prayed through, by the way, because he did it three times. Can you watch with Jesus? Can you, can you get into your prayer closet? God uses you. We have sitting in this congregation a couple, and, and the sister of one of this couple married a guy. She wasn't living for the Lord, so she didn't matter. And he to her, and married a guy that was just a really good guy and uh, was not a Christian. And praise God, the sister got back with the Lord, and is, she is really, really a neat person. And they live in another state, and so my prayers to join with this couple were solicited about this brother-in-law. And so we started, I started joining with them. I didn't pray as good as they did, but they prayed. I mean, I prayed and they, they prayed well. No doubt this wife prayed well. (laughs) The Lord has set up some stuff and I see it kind of like a vice. He opens his vice up and takes this guy and just sticks him down in there and then reverses the the direction of this. And then it's through, through ways that this guy is really vulnerable, begins to put pressure on. And, and this gal, his wife, and especially through the help of our, our family here in this congregation, <clears throat> she was set up and began to handle this correctly. So many times when God moves on one spouse, the believing spouse acts like a jerk. Have you ever noticed that? There have been a bunch of people I've wanted to kill and I didn't do it or I'd be more famous. But 
boy, that makes me crazy. When they pray and pray and pray and pray and pray and pray, and finally the old guy gets saved, and they can't handle it. And it's like, ah! Well, this gal didn't do that. She was just, oh, I love it. I love it when we act like God wants us to. It works so well. Well, this guy is going to church all the time. He's getting prayer. He's getting uh, some other stuff. And I don't know that he has stepped forward yet and say, I believe in Jesus Christ. But he's, I mean, he's all over the place. Just give him time. We're going to keep praying. And if necessary, the Lord will take that thing another turn. Thank God for, for these little squeezing kind of vice things. And then there, there was a story that one of our prayer partners gave uh, this morning. She has um, 80 or 100 three-by-five cards in a basket with prayer requests on them, names and so forth. And uh, I did ask permission, didn't I? Okay. <laughs> I thought I did. Did I make that clear? So her husband, seven years ago yesterday, had a heart transplant, and he is stinking healthy, or at least stinking. And, uh, you know, he's here this morning, and he's a part of us, and, and um, it's, it's just so great. It is just so great, because this guy'd be dead. I, I said to him earlier, I said, you know, that's really exciting about that anniversary yesterday. I said, we'd probably be having a different kind of anniversary if that hadn't happened to you, because he was on his way out. He had to have a heart. And one of the cards in this, in this basket was uh, the family of the donor of his heart. And this gal in her prayer time yesterday drew that out of the basket and was praying for these people. And, of course, they made contact through the course of the day because it was a year later. I mean, it was seven years later from the, from the fact. Now, you say, that's coincidental. No kidding. We have lots of coincidences like that when we are trying to walk in the Spirit. And I want you to know that Jesus needs us to pray. If God were just going to do what he good and well pleased, why did Jesus teach us to pray, will of God be done in earth as it is in heaven? Why did he teach us to pray? I do not believe that everything, now in the large th scheme of things, so that prophecy can be fulfilled, God will move stuff around so that this nation will do that, etc., etc. And Mary and Joseph had to get into Bethlehem before the baby was born because it had already been prophesied. That sort of thing, yes, yes, God will do that. But here is, here is an interesting Thing. If God is just going to do what he's going to do, why is Jesus spending his life now? He is still a human, by the way. He's, he's totally God, but somehow that's under wraps, and he sits in his Father's throne praying for us. Did you know that? You knew that. Now, the King James says, He ever liveth to make intercession. For the saints, ever liveth to make intercession. That means he is, his total life is living to pray for us. That's exactly 
what the King James translators were trying to communicate. And I, they got it. You know, you just have to. So prayer is huge. And if you're not praying every day, give up some uh, Facebook time or uh, some TV time. Yes, change your lifestyle so you can be doing the will of God. It's really going to be important for you to be caught up on your Facebook when the rapture takes place. If you're not caught up, you probably won't go in a rapture. Man, I get tired of us sometimes. I think I'm the leader of this, so I don't, I don't want to just be picking on you, but we just need to keep this stuff in focus here. And God has, uh, he's got these arms that are trying to get us in. This sermon this morning is, is, is another reaching of the long arms of God to pull you up on his lap not to save you this time if you're already saved, but to, to release you into ministry greater than you've ever had. And your greatest ministry, your greatest ministry, your greatest ministry is in your prayer closet. Your most powerful effectiveness is in your prayer closet. The greatest thing you can ever do is pray. There are other things that need to be done. But the greatest thing is to pray. Well, I guess we'll have to pray. Or has it come to prayer? And you know, we laugh, and that's very real. And I don't know that we'll ever get away from that. I'd like to be purer than that. I just thank God that every morning his mercies are new so that he says, no, that's not right. This is right. Do this. And if we listen, he'll correct us. And he won't, he doesn't say, but that's a mark against you. Hallelujah. Because we'd run out of wall to put marks on. You know, some of us live in houses large enough that could be lots of marks. We'd, we'd have the walls covered and we'd have to repaint and start over. No, 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 no. He, he's trying to get us in, not make us look silly. Now, let me say the Holy Spirit will make you feel silly sometimes. While he's pulling you closer to God. That's another subject. I want to switch now to those of you that are not walking with the Lord. And all of this business about prayer is like, well, I pray. Every time, every time I'm in real trouble, I say, God, help me. But you don't live for him. And if you understand that God loves you and he has arranged through the cross of Jesus Christ to forgive every sin that you have ever committed or ever will commit. And he is, he is, these arms are so long you can't believe it. He has got them around you, not to pull you in so he can flush you down out of sight. But so he can heal you, put the brokenness back together, and, and get you shoulder to shoulder with him in his field. He's inviting you today. And I want to extend that invitation. May we pray. Father, because you have loved us, we bless your name. Thank you for loving us.